the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 70. No, no stupid uh, high school jokes this week. Uh, <laughs> Give it time. Give yes, it time. It could still happen. But welcome to episode 70 of Hometown Crowd, um, where we take lots of notes with all the good intentions to talk about the news and sports, but then we just go off on rants. I am the conductor of this shit show, Matt. Uh, and I am joined by James. And, hey, everybody. And the Heather. Hello. And uh, you know what? Uh, we we all discussed prior to starting recording. We've all had a day, so we're just jumping right into it. Um, so everybody, we're going to 17 games in the NFL. Are we excited? Uh, um. I think well, I think that was the noise that the players all expressed at the same time when they saw this happening. Yeah, and then to like when Timothy was like breaking it down like the math in the chat and I was like what? Oh yeah, speaking of math. I work with numbers all day. That's what that's my job. I yeah. have a math job. And even to me I was like the fuck? What is this? Yes. So the NFL owners voted yesterday to expand the NFL season to 17 games, and that will happen this coming season. So your 2021 season is going to be 17 games. The collective bargaining agreement signed by players and ownership allowed the NFL to begin a 17-game season as early as 2021. Uh, And, of course, the owners voted, of course, we're going to do this. Well, the Bears voted against it. Yes. Yes, they did. But of course, I guess the Bears didn't want, you know, one more game to show how awful they are. So, yeah, I mean, I I imagine uh, the Lions probably thought twice, you know, like, maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe. I'm sure there were a few teams that had reservations yeah. on it for sure. Yeah. But then the team owner saw dollar signs. Yeah. Uh, but the, the season's going to begin, as usual, on the Thursday night. Uh, this year will be Thursday, 9 September, with the last week, week 18, falling on January 9th. This is the projected plan because we don't know what kind of COVID uh, situation. Yeah, exactly. Since we're already seeing rising uh, uh, case, you know, cases uh, throughout the country right now, every team will still only have a single bye week and will only play three preseason uh, preseason games, excluding the two that play in the Hall of Fame game. Right. So there's going to be two teams that still play four preseason games. Uh, the players expected to start. Uh, they were expected to start receiving 48% of team-generated revenue, but the 17th game will add a media kicker. This means that when TV deals get renegotiated, if the TV rights go up by 60%, the players will get 48.5% of the revenues, and if the TV rights deal goes up by 120%, they'll get 48.8%. 
So there is a uh, exponentially large chunk of the pie that the players could be uh, entitled to. Um, but that begs a question. Is this really a good thing? What do you uh, think? Uh, there are flags that I see. Um, one that, that came out uh, was the emphasis that seemed like talking about playing the game for an international audience. Um, and it doesn't sound like a big deal right now. Uh, but was it every eight years, a team will have to play one international game. And I wonder like what that's going to morph into. Um, oh, here it is. Yeah. Beginning in 2022, every team will play an international game at least once every eight years. Um, I don't, I don't know how well the NFL does internationally. Well, in um, England, uh, since they started uh, that international series in the UK, London, that game sells out very quickly. Um, okay. Now, it's it's when you have teams like Jacksonville that play multiple games uh, in London that, uh, you know, you kind of see um, some, I mean, they, it still does well, but they're not, they're not filling up every seat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even uh, maybe not the biggest American football fans in England know that the Jaguars suck. And why would I shell out uh, good money to go watch them? Well, so. yeah, wasn't it like <laughs> didn't like the Jets or something go to Dublin? Like it was some just random ass team. Well, every year now uh, for the last few years, Notre Dame has played a game in Dublin. And well, it, yeah, yeah, but I thought, but I thought the NFL did too. Maybe I'm just thinking of Notre Dame doing it and then I, the other yeah, one I, happening in London. The NFL is focusing strictly on London at this point. Um, and I, I have a theory uh, as to why um, we have lost. We, there he is. Sorry, my bad. No worries. You hit a hit button. A, didn't you? I hit a button. Yep. All right. Well, he's back. Heather, what do you think? I mean, do you think this is a good thing? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like it is purely money driven. Um, I feel like maybe they are potentially trying to recoup some of the lost revenue from COVID for this season. Um, I, I worry more about the players because even adding, I mean, obviously we've all seen a football game and we know how grueling those are on the players. And I feel like adding just like one more is going to exacerbate injuries and just, I feel like it's going to age people a little faster, maybe. Um, Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So I, I'm, I'm very on the fence about it because, you know, there's part of me where, you know, where, you have teams that are like, man, you know, if we just had one more game, you know, we could have made it to the playoffs, right? Just one more. And so I could kind of see it like that. But again, I, my biggest concern is the players and, yeah. and, and how it's, how extending the season, even by just one game is, is going to affect them. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I... I would have liked to seen the roster size increased by seven to 10 players per team, because I think you're going to need that many to get through 17 games. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. I really think that this is, this is just the first step. 
but I think the NFL will push to 18. Uh, I really think that's that's what they want. I think the players should dig in their heels and make sure that doesn't happen. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, like like you said, Heather, I am worried about the health overall um, mm-hmm. of, of those players. Um, but uh, I mean, I I think the thing that <laughs> kind of rankled me just as a sports nerd was that we're this is the end of a team finishing 500 because there's an odd number of games. You're not going to see a team go eight and eight again. Nope. Uh, so you're either going to be above 500 or you're going to be below 500, but you will never be at 500. Uh, well, and also too, like according to NFL, it says following the league's drop in salary cap for the 2021 20, season as a result of COVID-19, the schedule expansion is expected to partially lighten the effects of the cap drop and create new revenue. Um, Tom Pelissero noted the approval of the new media deal and the 17 game schedule will trigger will trigger the media kicker in the CBA, which will increase the player's share of all revenue to more than 48 percent. Yes. I mean, and that's that's going to be the thing, though. This all that is up to how these TV deals get renegotiated. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it the only way it that, that kicker only takes effect if, if the, the media deal goes up by at least 60%. Mm-hmm. So say it only goes up by 50. The players aren't getting any extra revenue out of that. Yeah. You know, so um, hopefully Goodell does not fuck these players. That That's how I uh, honestly feel about it. Um, well, and I, I hope, I hope history negoti- has, has told us <laughs> more than once that yeah. it tends to um, shit the bid. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's let's on let's that move, note. Yeah, on that note, let's let's stay in the NFL talking about Roger Goodell. Uh, <laughs> Goodell continued to shit the bed, but go yeah, ahead. Goodell and in his infinite wisdom uh, is expecting full stadiums as the NFL opens up to the 2021 season. This is all dependent on local municipalities and state governments okaying the idea, as well as vaccination rates. Goodell is encouraging players, coaches, and team personnel to get vaccinated, but will not mandate a vaccine in order to be eligible for the season. Um, where do you see this, guys? You know, honestly, where do you see this going? Uh, and is it going to end badly? Uh, well, I mean, Roger Goodell's got his finger in the pie, so yeah, we already know it's going to end badly. Um, <laughs> part of it, though, I. I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I I recognize that he is at least putting on the front of allowing it to be a a person's decision if they choose to get the vaccine or not, right? Yeah. So as opposed to to making it a mandate, um, because you do then kind of get in trouble legally by having that kind of a requirement of adults, yeah. right? It, that's, that's a very thorny and sticky and muddy situation to be in. Um, now, like I said, I don't agree with that. Um, however, people do have the right to make bad decisions and potentially negligent decisions. Um, how, but I just hope that he is also aware that it also opens up a liability, yeah. a massive liability. There's, there's another piece that I didn't see any talking about 
is that as of today, a total of 18 NFL stadiums are in use as max vaccination sites. And to date, 1.5 million shots have been administered at those sites. So as that vaccination effort continues, does the NFL say like, hey, um, thanks, appreciate all the hard work you guys did, get out of our stadiums? Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think because Goodell wants asses in seats, he'll be using those stadiums as, uh, you know, mass, mass back sites until during I the week. Oh yeah. yeah. During the week. Yeah. During then the he'll week. get it. He'll get it cleaned yep. on Saturday and then they'll be ready to go on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. You know, because uh, I mean, they all have practice fields. Like they don't practice at the stadium. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily see it disrupting that too much. I, okay. I honestly think it comes down to what happens in the baseball season. Oh. Um, if you see, uh, you know, cities loosening up uh, social distancing programs in, during the baseball season, right? Which they don't see, baseball stadiums don't see as many as football stadiums, right? It's just it's it's a sheer number of size. But can you imagine a stadium like say, uh, you know, with progressive and you know progressive uh, field in Cleveland? You know, that holds around 40,000 people. If they see that, like, say they open it up to three-quarters full, right? If they can see that many people sitting there watching a ball game without seeing great spike, I can see Goodell going to, like, the mayor of Cleveland. Like, look at what the Cleveland baseball team did. It didn't affect Mm -hmm. the rate of infection. So maybe you could loosen up what we do, you know, at First Energy in Cleveland. And, and, you know, I think – I think that's going to be the key is what happens during baseball season uh, and how well uh, we may tackle a coming wave of COVID. Uh, because again, cases are going up, everybody. Uh, this, this isn't going away. We don't have a beat yet. Um, now having a vaccine helps. Yes. It helps, but it doesn't mean, oh, we can just do whatever the fuck we want. Like we did before. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to topic three here, guys, uh, which I titled There Might Be Hope. <laughs> um, as you know, as we, we spoke a couple episodes ago about the Texas Rangers decided to open up Globe Life Field, which holds 40,300 seats for the final two spring training games and the season opener, which is tomorrow. Um in the last exhibition game, only 12,911 fans showed up, even though they opened it up completely. They were expecting 40,300 people to show up. Um, and this was in Texas. This was a state that has been notoriously like, fuck your mask, uh, mm-hmm. you, yep. know, uh, you know, fuck your stay-at-home order. This is Texas, and we're going to do it Texas style. Um, but... I mean, that kind of gives me a little hope that maybe people are going to be smart about this. What about you two? Okay. Well, first of all, that was who? The the Rangers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, it's the Rangers. So let's just start there. <laughs> Second, it, attendance has been down for MLB games for <clears throat> quite a while. Yeah. We all know that they have not been selling out like say like in the home run derby years with, you know, and, and all of that, like it just, 
I, I feel like it was kind of struggling in attendance anyways. So I don't know. I, I have a feeling it's probably going to be just a bunch of drunk white people who refuse to wear their mask and <laughs> turns well, into a big just. I have a, uh, a Scott okay. Steiner math problem. Um, and if you get, get that reference, good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you take the amount of people that have the antibodies already, right, plus those that have the vaccine, divide that by social distancing and multiply it by the square root of wearing a mask, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Right. Like, we don't know. I want us to think that I have some friends in Texas and they have said. Oh, that's very cute. That's so nice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, they have said that they're still wearing masks. Lots of places are saying, hey, if you want to eat here, you got to wear your mask until you get to your table. Um, you know, places are opening up um, like they're it's it's not up to it's up to the person, which is what I want. I want it to be up to the person to make your dumbass decision. Like I, I'm one of those people that's like, look, if you, if you if I want to go to a restaurant, I'm going to go. I've got both doses of the vaccine. I'm in pretty solid shape. I'm reasonably young. I'll be okay even if I got COVID, right? My 93-year-old grandmother in California, shout out to Grandma Betty. Um, oh, yes, we love you, Grandma Betty. We what do. up, Grandma Betty? Uh, probably doesn't <gasps> we have to need call to be her going... for Easter. Don't forget about that. Okay, I won't. Um, <laughs> that's how she gets me to commit to it. Yeah, um, it is. Everybody call your grandmothers on Easter. Exactly. She probably doesn't need to go to an Angels game, all right? Like, I think the individual needs to decide what is best for them. Now – we all know that there are some stupid people in this country, um, and that is their right to be stupid. But they're also kind of the reason that we're still sort of in this. So it's a really tricky question. Should people go to stuff? Should they not go? I think it's an individual decision based on your circumstance, but that's just me. So Yeah, I I know we can't stay buttoned up forever. Like that's that's not that's not reasonable. Um I want everybody to get vaccinated that's able to right like everybody that that can safely get vaccinated please go do so um you know please so we can enjoy uh uh baseball games and football games and and whatnot again but i I mean it does it gives me a little hope that people are still going to continue to be smart about their choices that they're making when it comes to going to uh big events you know um honestly i i i know you know i'll probably catch some shit for this but i would like to see them keep social distancing uh you know, things in place for the season for baseball and football, uh, you know, and then see where it is after the new year. Can we, can we, can we keep though doing the dog cutouts in the stands? Because that's really my favorite part. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm down with mm-hmm. cutouts, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like the one where I saw, um, I can't remember where it was. It was some like, uh, like indoor football league, uh, that had a Thanos cutout of him snapping. And, of <laughs> and I, I, I just really liked that. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. The, like, I love the whole cutout situation. Like people have really gotten creative with it. And at, at this point, it's almost kind of like, I really just watch game day for college game day for the signs. Well, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, Major League Baseball turned that into a revenue generator because they were charging anywhere from eighty to two hundred dollars for you to send a picture in, and they make a cut out of it. Not the only Fair ones. Enough. 
Yeah. Not the know. only ones. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 they weren't the only ones. You're right. Now, this one, this next topic, everyone, makes me makes me happy. Uh, we have a long-established podcast rule that Mark Emmert is a spineless douchebag that needs to be yeeted into the sun. And if you support Mark Emmert and the NCAA, you are no friend of mine. But in an article for Yahoo News, uh, journalist Pete Thamel wrote that the fresh in- indignation came with a declaration of support for Emmert from Georgetown President Jack De, De Gioia. I Sorry for all of our Italian De Joa, maybe? De, De Joa? We're going to go with De Joa. Okay. Uh, I, I, I so, this is name. where we really missed him. Yeah, yeah. We, um, go ahead. Yeah, but uh, he, who is the chair of the NCAA Board of Governors, he expressed the board's support for Emmert by saying that virtually no one in college athletics is thinking, we have confidence in Mark's continuing leadership of the NCAA. DeJoya told the AP's Ralph Russo, one high-profile athletic director summed it up this way to Yahoo Sports. The, Dak, the Jack DeJoya comments completely misread where the NCAA membership is. Emmert has dropped the ball on the Sandusky child molestation incident and trial at Penn State. He dropped the ball when it came to investigating Baylor for systemic rape and sexual harassment charges. And as of now, uh, he hasn't really addressed the Les Miles incident and the subsequent team issues uh, at, for the football team at LSU. And God knows that he has fumbled the, the name, image, and likeness issues, player compensation, and uh, you know, look at what happened with the men's and women's basketball tournament. Um, are we seeing the cracks form and is Emmer on his way out? If I sucked at my job as much as this dude, I would have been dead or in jail or living under a bridge a long time ago. I think I said it last week that it's all about money for these people. And there was a quote I read that said that action underscores why the current NCAA system is so clunky. The massive enterprise of college athletics includes a billion-dollar business that's essentially run by presidents who spend only a tiny fraction of their time in athletics. It's people that are so far removed from the ground, they don't understand what's happening, and I think that this is starting to start those cracks that will hopefully get rid of him. Um, Another great one was Emmett's survival skill is a copycat version of of the same scenario that allowed Larry Scott to survive for so long as the Pac-12 commissioner. Despite ineffectiveness and rampant unpopularity among his athletic directors, Scott catered to the right bosses, uh, especially Arizona State President Michael Crow, and survived not on accomplishment, but rather relying on their apathy and presidents being unable to muster the will to fire a leader. The same scenario allows Emmett to survive with bosses that aren't fully engaged. Basically, fake it till you make it, Unfortunately, this is a gentleman that's in charge of an organization that is, an, is is overseeing all these athletes, male and female both, in their formative years, and there's no accountability at the top, and there needs to be. Um, and I'm really hoping that this starts a at least like a dialogue of is this the right person to be in that job? Well, for me, I I think for a long time he has been very good at turning away from controversy and saying, you know, very similar to like, watch what my right hand is doing. Don't worry about my left. Yeah. Right. Especially to the media. So 
he is, I think that, I'm trying to see of how I want to word this, because I have to be very careful, because we're poor and we can't afford lawsuits. Allegedly. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, in Minecraft. In Minecraft. Yes. Um, I, for me, I feel like just for the number of scandals that has happened recently and not so recently under his tenure makes him complicit because he clearly did not, he hasn't, um, how, how, like, what am I trying to say? Like he just hasn't, he wasn't hard enough when it happened the first time. Yeah. Well, what, he wasn't hard you're, enough you're, the you're, second you're, time. Yeah. What you're saying is like uh, when he should have stood up, and, and done something. He didn't. He sat down. Uh, and then, I mean, look at the Sandusky thing, right? He came yeah. down hard on Penn State, but he violated all the rules in order to do so. And so they walked back the punishments. Um, you know, but I, 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 I'm with you. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm p- picking up what you're putting Thank down, you. Heather. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, like I just, and I know, I, and that may be a little, you know, effed up on me to be like, oh, well, he's complicit in, in all of these different instances of of sexual abuse and um, and blah, 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 blah. But it, I mean, it does kind of it, it happened under his watch. Yeah. And he is responsible for an official response for the NCAA in its gigantic magnitude of what it is. And I just. It's it's not a good look. It's not a good look on him. Yeah, Heather, I liked how you put that, though. I agree with you. He is complicit with everything that happened at Baylor. He is complicit in what's happening at LSU. He is complicit in, uh, you know, the bullshit that happened with the tournament this year. He is complicit in all of this. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I never really looked at it that way until you said something. Mm-hmm. But he, he was so gun shy about punishing universities under his, you know, athletic programs, under his umbrella, uh, because of what happened in the Sandusky case, that he did nothing. Um, And when you do nothing, shit like this is going to continue to happen, you know? Um, Because they know they can get away with it. Yeah, I mean, you might get a couple little slaps on the wrist, but I mean, at the end of the day, really nothing is going to come from it. Yeah. Uh, but I told Dr. Coleman uh, from the End of Sport podcast, which covers this issue much more eloquently than we do, um, where we swear and gnash our teeth, they actually break it down like intelligent people that they are. Um, but I told him that I was going to go, the minute I hear he's fired, I'm going to Indianapolis, where the NCAA is headquartered, and I'm going to turn my resume in to be considered for that job and just stand out there with a sandwich board saying that, you know, you had Emmer on staff for how many years? I can't be any worse until they fucking hire him. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. Well, you know. I, I, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but the Women's Basketball Coaches Association has asked him for a gender, a gender inequity commission Fuck based yes. on what happened um, with the whole tournament thing. And Equity and and equality are two very different things, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, but they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that this is something that they absolutely deserve because 
I think that this year was just, it's something that's been happening for years and years and years. And everybody is kind of just not really made a big deal about it. But I think the way that society is now, and you can, some people can call it a hypersensitivity, whatever, but I, I think it is time for somebody, you know, for people to be like, you know, like, okay, no, this, this is not what we're doing anymore. Like, yes. Like this needs I, to be addressed and this needs to be fixed. I don't think it's hypersensitivity. I, I think that, that that's where people like, that's where people go when they, you know, the people that say that are the people that are like, I'm pretty sure I could throw this football over that mountain. Um, oh yeah. Are totally, <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah. Those are the Uncle Ricos. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, anyone... what I'm saying though, like, I'm not saying that it's a hypersensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I'm just I'm... saying the, the op- opposing viewpoint havers may call it that. Well, again, I'm being diplomatic and opposing viewpoint havers, right? I Mm -hmm. don't, one, I don't think they've ever played at that level. If they have, they probably don't have kids because if you took two seconds and thought, okay, so I have two daughters, or Heather and I have two daughters. If one of my daughters had to deal with what the NCAA women's basketball tournament had to deal with, I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, if I had a daughter that went to Baylor and had to be a victim of that stuff that happened, I would lose my fucking mind. The problem is people are so caught up in their, you know, oh, well, you know, that's never happened to me. Like they don't they don't think about that. They don't take a second to think about it. And my, my last point on this would be I've been told probably 100 times in my career and, and Mac, you'll recognize this and our military listeners will do that. You're responsible for the achievements and failures of your subordinates. If you're at the top and you have people fucking up and it comes to light and you don't do anything about it, you're just as culpable for those fuck ups. Yep. If, you, if you don't take the appropriate action to make sure it never happens again, you're just as culpable as them. Like it, that's what it is. No one's ever been punished because it's all about money. And I really think if they would just hammer someone, it wouldn't happen again, at least for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing. We, The NCAA overall, even before Emmer, has been gun-shy since handing down the death penalty to SMU in the 80s. Um, you know, because it, it, you, you destroyed a successful football pro- program in the state of Texas, right? So that was, that was a big no-no. And then they, you know, that the NCAA has been scared to do that again. But like I'm with you, bring it, drop that hammer, right? I, I thought the NCAA and Emmert should have done something when Ohio State had, you know, Tattoo Gate. Um, I thought they should have done something, you know, when Urban Meyer, who had over 20 players arrested in his time at Florida, uh, had similar issues at Ohio State his first year. You know, I, I think, like you said, if you show that we this type of behavior is not going to be uh, allowed. It's, it's, you know, this type of behavior cannot continue. Um, and, and, and you punish them, you know, like you would a child, then other schools would be like, fuck. You know, can you imagine if they would have suspended Ohio State's football program for one year? Can you imagine that? I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. the same thing. Like, dude, shutter LSU's football program for a year. Yeah, I agree. See if they don't get compliant really quick. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't don't allow a team 
that is sure shit not going to a bowl game to implement a self-bowl ban. Like, we joked about it on the podcast, but it was a giant joke. Yeah. Like, any any mild fan of college football would be like, that's not really a punishment. Yeah, it's it's a 100% like, lip service. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Like, oh, look, we're trying. We're going to punish ourselves. Man, fuck you. All right? That's like, that's like going up to my son, who's nine years old, and is just being a mouthy little shit these days. Allowing him to punish himself, okay? Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I'm not doing that. But that's just me. Uh, and I think everybody knows where we stand on this. So mm-hmm. you'd not be surprised in a year or two when Emmert's finally fired uh, to see me on the news standing there in my one suit and my sandwich board uh, politicking to get his job. <laughs> um, I've already decided it's going to be an athletic, uh, you know, it's going to be a student co-op. Mm. I'm going to completely overthrow the, the stupidity of the NCAA. I'll probably only be on the job a year, but hey, man. I'm. A, you know I'm a, what? That's a year. That's yep. a year. Mm-hmm. I can do a lot in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. But you can, you can change hearts and minds in a year. That's right. It, it, I'm passionate about this. Can you see this big, Clearly, beautiful face in that's front of asset. a camera? Mm-hmm. That's ab- absolutely an asset. These athletes need a seat at the table. They should be. They should have a say in how these things go. Oh, my God, dude. I would have this country riled up real quick. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get a lot of death threats from the Uncle Ricos. They're like, they are getting paid. They get a college education. Listen, how, just, is, how is that any yeah. different than what you're already getting? Just put them, just put them in the inbox file. Just, yeah, and, just file yeah. them with the rest of them, and you'll be fine. <laughs> All right, so th- this is the more fun part. Um but the fifth topic I labeled, it's happening again. Right near former UFC heavyweight champ and still current Bellator heavyweight uh, was supposed to fight former light heavyweight champion, boxing champion Antonio Tarver before the fight was called off because Tarver couldn't get a license to fight. Uh, he hadn't fought in about 10 years. And in Georgia, where the fight was supposed to take place, you couldn't have your you, – the last time you had to have fought has, has to be within an eight-year window. <laughs> um, Oscar De La Hoya is talking about uh, coming out of retirement to chase a big money mixed fight. By mixed fight, I mean a professional boxer and a professional MMA fighter. Now, former UFC pound-for-pound champ Anderson the Spider Silva has signed a deal to fight former Alphabet super middleweight and chronic weight misser Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. on June 19th in Mexico. This will be Silva's third professional boxing match. He's 1-1 overall, uh, but he's 34-11 overall in MMA, uh, but has essentially been smoked in four of his last five fights. Chavez Jr. is 52-5-1 inside a boxing ring with 34 KOs, but much of his wins were against hand-picked opponents that were well below his talent level. He struggled to make weight at 168, then again at 175, so they made this fight take place at 180 pounds. Um, What might be most disturbing is that Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., his daddy, is... oh Papa got involved. Oh, yeah. He's going to be fighting on the undercard against Hector Camacho Jr., the son of Julio Cesar Chavez Sr.'s main rival uh, during the 80s. This begs the question, why the fuck does this keep happening? And is it good for combat sports? I've got some motherfucking notes. Of course you do. That's why I'm just, I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna give the floor to you, sir. Thank you. 
Thank you. Um, so the first thing is I did a little research in the Antonio Tarver thing. Apparently, whatever state they were going to fight in, that athletic commission said you had to have 10 fights in the last five years, and he only had five. Yeah. So that's why it was changed. Um, okay. thank, thank you for correcting me on that. I read no, it. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah, I, I only learned it the other day listening to uh, Brendan Schaub, um, okay. and then I looked into it. Uh, so there's that old adage uh, that – any press is good press. Um, that doesn't apply to combat sports. If you go back to the early 90s uh, with the UFC, all the press was negative, and it took probably another 10 years to, like, throw that off, right? Yeah, easily, um, I think. I, I would I, say that that's a, about a 10-year bubble, James. Yeah, yeah to, to this, I, I think it was in 2000... Let's see, I was in Iraq then. So 2010 when... Uh, Couture fought Machida, and they were in an overseas location. And a uh, reporter asked them what it was like to fight, you know, until your opponent was unconscious, and didn't know that there were rules. And he's like, "No, that's like the old stuff." So it, it's still following the UFC to this day in combat sports. Um, I don't want to say it's bad because I want guys like Mir and Silva and Askren, who I have a note about, to make a fuck ton of money. I do. But they're not going to get McGregor, um, what's-his-face money. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not going to be anywhere near the, the pay-per-view of McGregor and Mayweather. And Mayweather, yes, thank you. No, nowhere. Nowhere near. And we're starting to enter a dangerous territory where these older dudes are putting themselves at risk. Like, it'd be one thing. In an octagon, smaller gloves— Kick, punch, throw a takedown, that's fine. Boxing is notorious for taking a bigger punishment. Yeah. Um, and I really worry about guys like Anderson. Um, I worry about guys like Frank who have taken some beatings, um, who are older. And, like, it was one thing when you'd see a guy leave the UFC and wind up in Bellator and won or whatever the bare-knuckle fighting organization is. Um it's another when they start doing boxing matches, hoping for a big payday, and I, I don't like it. Um, I shame on the athletic commissions for allowing this shit. Um, it, it, they're lucky no one's died yet, but it's only a fucking matter of time. Yeah. Um, if if I can jump in here real quick, please. Um, for me, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Shame on the athletic commissions, but at least the athletic commission in Georgia caught. The mere Tarver thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's about time one of those athletic commissions actually stood up and said no. Uh, just like I hope they stand up and say no to the Holyfield Tyson uh, rematch. Yes. Um, when I whenever I heard that, I thought of the uh, Tito Chuck Liddell fight under the Golden Boy banner. Uh. Right. Uh, just two old guys way past their their primes who should not be uh, fighting anymore. You know. No. Um, but for me, like you're, you have a better background in MMA, whereas I have a better background in boxing. I'm going to tell you this right now. An MMA fighter is not going to have success in a boxing ring against a boxer. No. Right? It's just not going to happen. Now, I will give Silva this. At least he has two fights in a boxing ring on his record. Right? Those uh, were like... 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. They were forever ago. It yeah. was before he got into the cage for UFC. Yeah. 
right? And they were both in Brazil. Um, but for me, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is the biggest waste of talent in boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a bunch of low-caliber fighters fed into him. He beat them up, and he got a chance to win a belt because, you know, who his trainer is? His dad, right? Yeah. But then he's, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. is one of the best boxers to ever put gloves on, period. Uh, You know, he went like 80-something fights without losing a fight. Uh, He ended up finishing his career with over 110. Um, And I'll get to him in a second. But, like, you know, as I just said, you know, a a boxer is going to have a massive advantage over an MMA fighter in a boxing ring. But there are exceptions to the rule, and I think this fight might be it. Because Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. does not prep for fights. He chronically comes in overweight. He doesn't take training seriously. And yes. Oh, it uh, kind of sounds like me if yeah. I were in that position. <laughs> but it, while Silva is older, he's on the back end of his career. Uh, we all know he can throw a punch. We all know that. Yes. Um, and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, that broken leg, that that probably should have ended his MMA career, honestly. Um, you know, I could see Chavez Jr. getting his ass kicked in this fight. I really do, because I don't think he's going to take it seriously. Um, but with that being said, the, the true uh, the true bullshit on this card is uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. fighting uh, on it. Uh, that dude is easily pushing 60 at this point. There's absolutely no reason... He should be in a ring. Um, I don't know much about Hector Camacho Jr. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if he's uh, like if he has a, a lengthy boxing career like his dad had. But you know what? I don't care. You're still fighting uh, an ancient man who has no business uh, being in a fucking boxing ring. What in the Ric Flair is going on there? Like, yeah. and I I love you, Rick, but um, like. Who thought that was, you know, who thought that was a good idea? The same guy that thinks this legends boxing is a good idea. Yeah. Like the same person that thinks that De La Hoya going into a, a boxing match is a good idea. Like, I, I don't know why this shit keeps coming up. Like, is there no one like, I, again, like you said, I, I'm more MMA, you're more boxing. Is there no one in boxing that's fun to watch now that they need I to mean, be like? Oh, absolutely not. But the thing is, is it it, it kind of gets into that question, right? We always hear who's a better fighter, a boxer or a mixed martial artist, right? And this doesn't even answer that question. None. Be- it doesn't. Because, because like, it's not like we're going to do two rounds boxing, two rounds MMA, right? Yeah. And then the fifth round, anything goes, right? Um, you know, it, it, it's not answering that question. And, you know, I, I, I do not mean to take away from any MMA fighter out there. But I'm going to tell you right now, and James already alluded to it. With lighter gloves, you, you don't have to have good form throwing a punch. You don't have to have, uh, you know, you're not going all the way in because you don't want to break your hands, no. right? They're going to be fighting with 12, 13-ounce gloves. Dude, like that favors the boxer every single time. And the other the other side of that coin is, do you remember the Randy Couture, what was it, Tony Ferguson fight? Like, James Tony. James Tony. James Tony. Yes, James Tony. Thank you. Um. Shot in for a takedown. Randy Couture choked a man out. Yep. Like, it, they're apples and oranges. The whole, who's the better fighter? Like, it doesn't, it depends on where they're fighting and what's allowed. 
A yes. boxer in a boxing ring is going to beat the MMA dude all day. The MMA guy in, in an octagon or even in a ring with MMA rules is going to beat the boxer all day. Yep. Yep. I mean, and that's that's the thing. You, you can still appreciate fighters for what they do in their respective spheres without having stupid fights like this. And I'm sorry. I thought the Mayweather-McGregor fight was stupid. Uh, McGregor had no shot in that. Mayweather toyed with him for seven rounds before he knocked him out. And that was Mayweather's first knockout in almost 10 years. Okay? Like, come on, dude. Just just knock it off. Um, it's okay to be really good at one of those things. It really is. You can have a great career doing that, too. Um, but we're going to stay in the realm of combat sports, and we're going to talk about UFC 260. Uh, James gave me the constant update, and then I uh, found a replay. That's what James, I did. I found yeah, replay. James James got very loud. Yeah. It was a very loud card. <laughs> Which lets our listeners know that it was a fantastic card. Yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're gonna we're gonna lead off talking about this uh, with the and new heavyweight champ of the world, Francis Francis Ngannou, who just pasted uh, you know Northeast Ohio's own Stipe Miocic. <sighs> um, and I was the I was the big Stipe homer. I thought he would have a great chance of success with trying to wrestle Ngannou, and Ngannou just smacked him around the ring like nothing. <laughs> I I think he had the right game plan. Yes, that first takedown got stuffed, and he got those seatbelt punches to the face. Yes. But that was in round one when Ngannou was fresh, right? I think if he'd have stuck to his game plan, looking back on it, he had the right game plan. The problem was he clipped Ngannou, and Ngannou's legs buckled a little bit. And Stipe forgot that that was a man that removed Alistair Overeem's head. Yeah. And he shot in to throw a punch, and it doesn't take anything, I think, like I said last week, for Ngannou to put you to sleep. And that's what happened. And he was I, a big dude. Oh, my yeah. God. He yeah. is a mammoth of, the ma- of a man. His story is fantastic. Um. And I, I'm in no way trying to take anything away from Ngannou because he put in the work and he won that title straight up, clean, center of the octagon. Um, Stipe may be getting towards the end of his career. And what I hope is that if he decides to go away, he goes away. Yeah. I I will I will argue with anyone that he is the greatest heavyweight in the UFC of all time. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a fair argument. Uh, no one's defended that belt as often as Stipe. Uh, you know, I think he's been a good champ. Like, he, he's, he's not, I mean, you know, I love Randy Couture, but for me, he was a crybaby that was too busy trying to fight the powers that be of the UFC to really be, like, the man at heavyweight, you know? Yes. And yeah. then he wasted, what, five or six years of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Stipe's been there. He's put in the work. He had the belt, you know, two separate times. He had great title defenses. He's fought the top of the heavyweight list. And, and been wildly successful, but father time gets everybody, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, and I think, I, I agree with you there, I think he's at the end. I don't think he's getting towards it. I think he is at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason heavyweights don't have long story careers typically because no. these are the biggest men in the sport beating the shit out of each other, right? Um, but, I mean, Ngannou is going to be a great champ. He is. He is. Mm -hmm. My only issue with that fight, and it kind of goes into some other issues I have with this card, is how much they got paid for that fight. So 
France has got 580,000 total. 500 to show, 50 performance of the night, and 30 fight week incentive pay. Stipe, who, as we've said, is the greatest heavyweight of all time, got 790,000, 750 to show, 40 for fight week incentive pay. Fucking embarrassing. Yeah. The greatest heavyweight of all time. What yeah. the fuck? So I went down the James Google rabbit hole just because just I was curious. And surprisingly, he came back to record the show. I did. I did. Here he is. <laughs> it got deep. Did you, did, you, did you leave yourself snacks along the way? Uh, I had a very long rope. Very okay. long rope. So oh, was, I it, was it Charlie Bronson's rope? It was Charlie Bronson's rope. Nice. Yeah. Our inside joke, girl. <laughs> so I looked at who Stipe has fought, right? Beltran, DeFries, Del Rosario. I only know Beltran there. Yep. Struve, I know Struve, Roy Nelson, Gonzaga, Maldonado, Hunt, Dos Santos, Arlovsky, Verdum, Overeem, Dos Santos, Ngannou the first time, Cormier, 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 Ngannou. Would you like to guess his total career earnings in the UFC? Oh, dude, I don't even know. $6.068 million. Oh, I was going to guess four. Greatest heavyweight of all time. Has only made six million dollars from the yeah. UFC. I mean, and that's probably why we keep seeing these stupid fights, James. Honestly, because mm-hmm. you have some of the greatest fighters to ever put mitts on and get in the cage, and they don't get paid shit. You know, and that's the thing with the UFC. You know, look, uh, you know, look at what Dana tries to tell us all the time, right? Like, you know, we're taking care of these fighters. Bullshit. The Reebok deal was stupid. This tiered pay scale they have stupid. is stupid. Um, and they're all they're doing it for is to ensure that the parent owner continues to make the maximum amount of money mm-hmm. with the least amount of expenditure, right? Because then you get you get shit like the Kama Worthy versus Jamie Malarkey fight, which lasted 46 seconds, right? Malarkey starched this dude. He got 23,000, 10 to show, 10 to win, 3,500 for a fight week bonus. After taking out taxes. And what he has to pay his corner, he maybe, maybe walks away with 11, 12. If that. Yes, if if that. that. That's 45 seconds of work, but put in all the work he did prior to getting there. Yeah. And you give a guy 2,300. What the fuck, Dana? Yeah. Like, this shit is so ridiculous. I mean, and that, I, that's why, you know, you know, I've talked about this. I think we're going to see more and more fighters going to one in Bellator. And, and not towards the end of their career, but doing like what Roy McDonald did, going yes. into the prime of his career. Yep. Because they have a better earning opportunity mm-hmm. in both those organizations. Um, you know, like you said, you have a guy that does, what, a two or three month, two or three month fight camp. You know, you're paying for the nutritionist. You know, you have to pay your corner man. You've got to pay your cut man. You have to pay all these people. This shit doesn't happen for free, you know. And then, yeah, 45 seconds of work, like you said, but still – you know, to walk away with 11, 12 thou, like, it's bullshit. And yeah. you, you you continue to do this just at that, that kind of hope that you're going to be big enough to get the big payday, you know? And then you have guys like John Jones, who now is, is the talked about who's next for Francis, and he wants upward, as of today, over 10 million, right? Fucking give him the 10 million. You're going to make it up. Yeah. I also yeah. love that in that stream when John was saying he wanted over 10 million, Derek Lewis said, fuck, I'll do it for eight. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love Derek Lewis. Too. Oh, I, I love him so much. I think we are in a, a good space for UFC heavyweights finally, after yes. all these years of it being like a fucking wasteland. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, let, let's face it, Dana and Zufa only bought Strike Force because of the heavyweight division. That yes. was it. Um, because look at what happened. As soon as they bought it, they took all the heavyweights and eliminated mm-hmm. the Strike Force heavyweight championship. Yes. You know, uh, well, because cause you got you got fucking um, Cormier, you got uh, um, Demolition Man, um, uh, Overeem. You got Overeem. Uh, you got. Uh, I mean, you could have had. Uh, what's his face? Probably not though, because they test in the UFC now. Um, Russian dude. Uh, oh, I know. Fedor. Fedor. Yeah. You yeah. could have probably got Fedor until he found out they tested. Um, said what I said, Fedor. If you want to fight me for ten thousand dollars, I'll be there. Um, uh, uh, I'll, mm, fuck no, that! I'll do no, it. No, 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 no. Hold on, wait a second. Wait a second. Let, me, let me step in. I've been very quiet, and there will not be a fight. There will literally, it will be you in our driveway. Now, granted, okay, yeah, we'll get ten grand out of it, but. I'm going to have to be the one to deal with later, like the next day of being like, that was a bad, why did you let me do that? Look, listeners, if you want Fedor Lewis one, all right, let us know on all our favorite socials. All right. <laughs> and again, I, 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 there. fuck it. I'll do it for five. <laughs> uh. No, listen, no, listen, no, no, listen, you need to do it for a little more than 10. Okay. Cause we have bills. My, we have my summer camp to pay for. So. My, my beard can take a little a, a little bit of brunt where James can't yet. So yeah, I'll do it for five. I, I I'm not I'm not afraid to to take my ass whooping and then you just hand me a check. I'm okay with it. Should, um, should we talk about the Sugar Show coming back? Yeah, yeah talk talk about Shane O'Malley. Does I he think, deserve that? Okay. Uh, Heather's so mad at me right now. I, um, I just. Mm. <laughs> Heather, so, Heather we're stunned. Just hang in there. Hang in there. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Sean O'Malley. These, uh, these 8% uh, ciders is not helping. So so Sean O'Malley returning to the octagon after his, his first loss, even though the Sugar Council has overturned that loss um, against Thomas Almeida. And I was super pissed at Sean O'Malley because he could have ended that fight three different times. And he wanted that walk-off KO, right? Yep. Which, yes, I get it in today's fucking Instagram, Facebook world. You know, you get a lot of hype and you can you can make some money off that. But you also need to win. And if he'd have lost in that second round after walking away at the end of the first, thinking he was done, you know, like that puts you back down there. And uh, – I hate this attitude from fighters that they think they're going to be the next Conor McGregor. Look, you're not. All right. No, you're not. Stop it. Bill wins. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. Conor McGregor is not the fighter you should be emulating. All right. This is a guy who's wasted years of his prime where he could have really solidified himself as being one of the best MMA fighters ever. And he would rather run his fucking mouth, fight Floyd Mayweather, get his ass kicked, and then be completely outclassed, completely outclassed by you know, this is not the guy to emulate anymore. You know, five, six years ago, sure. Now, no fucking way. No, don't do that shit. Stop it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, O'Malley's a great talent. Uh, and he's also kind of like, he's kind of like the oddball talented kid. You know, he's a vegan. You know, he's got really unorthodox training methods. Yep. 
Um, but I think he's going to be good for the sport if he can just focus on the fighting part. And if, if he doesn't bite off more than he can chew, because already Dominic Cruz is talking about, hey, I'll fight O'Malley. Do not feed that boy to Dominic Cruz. No. 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 I mean, no. I'm not saying I'm not saying Cruz could be clipped. He's shown that he can be. He can. Uh, but he's but, got he's got uh, such a good uh, uh, like range of attacks he can use because he's a I mean he's missed five years of his career to injury. Yeah. Give or take. But he's a grizzled vet that could probably pick him apart uh, fairly easy if he fought smart. Uh, and Cruz is a smart fighter for the most part. Um, but yeah, like yeah, uh, keep an eye out for Sugar Shane O'Malley. Uh, you know, and Francis Ngannou. Uh, I think he could probably give Stipe a run for his money as well in the in the goat category if he continues to to waylay people. And especially, it's, especially it's possible. Beat Jones, man. Especially if he can beat Jones. Je- if you want to make money, look, Daniel. I'm telling you right now, right? I will pay to watch that pay per view. Okay. So will everybody else. You'll make up the 10 mil. Trust me. Hey, Data, I'll even pay to watch it uh, <laughs> rather than watching replays from other sources. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we do not condone pirating on Hometown no. Don't no. do that. It's bad. But in Minecraft, if you had to watch it, there are ways to do so. But with that being said, everybody uh, – our episode, episode number 70, is going to come to a close. Make sure you check out the other podcast on the 910 Comedy Network, uh, you know, Umbrella, you know, Dead Girls Talking, uh, That's Just My Face. Marital um, Tiffs. Marital Tiffs is kind of on hiatus right now. A little but, bit, a little bit, but yeah, I mean, you catch get, up on back episodes. You, that's right. You, well, but they do also get like Marital Tiffs 1.0 by listening to this since it's me and, and James on this one, so... Yeah, clearly so, not the original, but yeah, you know, but yeah, catch up on the back catalog, uh, support DB and Minda and everybody else that's involved with the 910 Comedy Network. Uh, they're great people. But, uh, you know, that's it for us tonight, everybody. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Keep wearing your mask and get your vaccine if you can. It makes everybody just safer. Just do it. Get the vaccine.